0: The boards of directors have brought the CIO in to congratulate and to thank them for enabling such a radical shift so quickly. Wow, getting applause from the board of directors. It really is a fabulous period of time to be a technologist.
1: The amount of talent we can hire is just incredible now. So we don't have to just look at who we can hire in Silicon Valley or Palo Alto. Anybody who can work the time zones from anywhere we could hire. Welcome to the CIO Exchange Podcast, I'm Edine Porter de Leon. In the wake of high-profile technology companies like Twitter and Facebook announcing a permanent shift to remote work, the rest of the business world has been left wondering whether this is something they should embrace as well. In this episode, recorded during the August 2020 Bay Area Leadership Association's Orbi Awards, we hear VMware CEO Pat Gelsinger and VMware CIO and Chief Digital Transformation Officer Basque Iyer in conversation with Frank Bell, founder of Inspire CIO. The first voice you'll hear will be from Frank, followed by Pat, then Basque as they discuss how VMware, along with its thousands of global customers, are approaching the strategic implications, as well as the tactical concerns, of the next evolution of knowledge worker management.
2: Basque Eyre, who's CIO and Chief Digital Officer at VMware, as well as CEO and Orbi winner Pat Gelsinger with us. Pat and Basque, this is unusual circumstances. We're all virtual. This is the largest work-from-home experiment in the history of the world. How are you managing this time with your people, with your customers, with your partners and local communities?
0: Let me kick off on that one, Frank. On Friday, February 28th, we were planning our physical sales kickoff the following Tuesday. We made the decision to go all virtual on Friday, and on Tuesday, we held our virtual sales kickoff with 15,000 people. So essentially, we flipped the bit over the weekend. And we ain't looked back since then and to me it was a testament of the great it investments that we've been making over the last five years and bask and his team because literally we can move everybody the virtual over just a couple of days and it's been flawless ever since then now obviously this has been challenging this has been hard i describe people's homes there's some combination of we work offices and kinder cares but We've also been able to work well and make our customers successful. And Essentially, all of our software delivery metrics, support metrics have been unaffected in the fact that in some regards, they've been better than ever. So, ask, how have you made it happen for us?
1: Well, it's all of us. It's the team. We have a great team. We have great products as well, but we have a great team. And it's a great culture. I mean, the biggest complaints I've heard from VMware is we've made them too productive. People are very productive and sometimes wish that things were not working that well. So it's probably the culture, tech we use, but mainly the people. I think of IT as the first responders. So not only VMware IT, but a lot of our fellow CIOs in our network have Mm -hmm. done a great job in making sure that we are productive, completely productive during these extraordinary times.
2: Bask, what is it like working for a CEO that has such a strong technical background? You know, he kind of knows the answers maybe before he's asking the question. So tell me what that's like.
1: Listen, first, it has to start with respect. I have enormous respect for him. He didn't just get the job by somebody awarding him. Brilliant engineer, good technology leader, schooled himself to be in finance and business. I've been working for him for five years, and every year he's become a better CEO. So first of all, you have to have respect. And secondly, when you have somebody like this, not only is their path, everybody's leadership team is defining what the next generation of computer science is gonna be. And we have people working for us fellows and engineers in our teams who are brilliant. So luckily I'm comfortable working with people. I'm not the smartest person in the room, I've never been, and you have to get comfortable working on that. I've also earned my stripes in my own way. I've done my thing programming, technical, hands-on. I'm very thankful for managers who didn't promote me too early because it's easy to get the job, but it's very difficult to do it. But it is nice. It's nice that I don't have to dumb down my presentations for Pat.
2: Pat, what are some of the things that have been pillars of your success in terms of moving from a technology leader to business leader? Tell me a little bit about your path there and how that has evolved over the years.
0: The way I describe most careers like a T People move up a certain, if you're an engineer, if you're a salesperson, a finance person, you're sort of moving up your discipline. But when you get to a high-level executive role, you need to be a T. You need to be broad and connected in these other areas. And I remember I was COO, number two to Joe Tucci at EMC, and I would meet with a board member or two every board meeting. I was in every board meeting and was there. And I remember meeting with Jack Egan, the E and EMC was his father. And I said, Jack, I'd always ask the two questions. How am I doing? What do I need to work on? And Jack said two things, right? He was sort of a crusty fellow. And he said to me, he said, first, we're an East Coast company. You need to dress like an East Coaster, right? It was sort of like, okay, honey, we're going to Nordstrom's tonight. But second was far more interesting. He said, corporate finance. He says, you're an engineer. If you're ever going to run this place, you need to know more about corporate finance. And Joe went and got me my personal corporate finance tutor, a professor from Columbia University. And for a year, I took corporate finance 101. I needed to become broader. So you need to be deep and successful to move up. But then you need to have the curiosity, the commitment, and the, just I'll say, grit to go learn these other areas because when you get to the top, you need to be everything. You need to be able to be finance, legal, sales, all of those need to be part of your repertoire.
2: Well, wow, thank you. How has the current work from home situation impacted VMware? And how do you see this playing into the future? Is this something that's here with us for a long time? It just sort of seems like everybody's skill set has expanded, comfort level of working from home, despite the challenges. How does this play into your planning for the future?
0: Well, before the crisis, we were approximately 20% distributed workforce. Overnight, we became 97%. And I think the new normal for us is 50 or 60%. Sometimes it takes a decade to make a week of progress. Other times you make a decade of progress in a week. And in this sense, hmm, people can live right? In different settings. They don't need to commute each day. They're able to be closer to their kids and ailing parents and so on. And we've proven that we're just as efficient and effective. We're lowering the carbon footprint. Well, these are all pretty good things. And in it, it's like, wow, we've been compelled to step forward and we call it work 2.0. What does the workforce of the future look like? And our buildings go from being hotels for offices to being centers for collaboration. And maybe you only need to come to the office a couple of days a month. And when we're there, we're there to build community together. And then we've proven we can work remotely very effectively. I think this will change how we work forever. We're never going back to what it was before.
2: I can totally see that. Bass, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Well, look, the amount of talent we can hire is just incredible now. So we don't have to just look at who we can hire in Silicon Valley or Palo Alto. Anybody who can work the time zones from anywhere, we could hire. We could make some dent in some of the things we have to do better in some communities, underrepresented minorities, women. Mm -hmm. In places like India, you know how terrible it is to commute to Bangalore. It takes two hours to get to work and two hours to get back. (laughs) Imagine working moms trying to do that with children. That's almost impossible. So now we can go after all those talent. Pat thinks it's 50%. When we polled in IT, we think we can do a lot better than that, a lot more than that, actually. 50 would be a starting point. The thing we have to figure out is how do you build the glue? That's what we're thinking about. The reason I'm able to work with my team is I know them well. They're brothers in war. And we've built that with the collaboration, seeing each other, having a cup of coffees with everyone. So we have to figure out ways to make that happen. I don't want VMware to lose that magic where we know each other, we enjoy each other's company, and virtual doesn't replace all of them. So perhaps, as Pat says, we come to the on-site to do offsite meetings and have a cup of coffee, break bread with people.
2: One of the things that I have enjoyed about virtual mode is that every day our team is gathered for 30 minutes toward the end of the day just to catch up on. It's a group therapy session. Here's what's working. Here's what's not. And in some respects, that has been better than being in an yeah. office because with people in different cities and traveling all over the place, uh, having that kind of dedicated time just to kind of check in without an agenda has maintained culture and been a point of connection for us. Have you all seen similar aspects of virtual that have been something better than you've seen in person?
0: We've approximately tripled the communications bandwidth to our teams. We're having staff meetings regularly. My all company, all hands are happening now every month where they used to be every quarter. The amount of, I'll say, team meetings, I call it Zoom bombing, where I just sort of zoom in and boom, all of a sudden I'm in uh, showing up for the Friday bash in San Paulo with the team, right? And 10 minutes later, I'm showing up in the uh, Columbia site team meeting. You can increase your connectivity. Since uh, COVID started, and uh, I'm just adding this up, I'm doing a leadership session uh, next week. I've done over 250 customer visits since March. Wow, I couldn't possibly have done that physically, but virtually, man, I can hit all the countries of Europe in one week, all of them. (laughs) You couldn't possibly do that otherwise.
2: Wow. It does create limitless possibilities for us and the ability to be many places without the friction of travel time and commute time, it does stretch us. But virtual does give us that opportunity to maintain the culture and to be more places than we could possibly be physically. And it's just new, it's different, and it is learning. And for those of us that are curious and nonstop learners, this environment has been a challenging one, and I guess, while at times frustrating in some regards, very satisfying, (laughs) because you get to reinvent everything, right? You get to think about it like, hey, this is different now. Think of the possibilities.
0: Yeah, and we're just seeing that happen industry after industry. Nothing prevented us from remote education before, except our norms. Why couldn't we do better telemedicine before? And why couldn't we allow people to work wherever they wanted to before for a better lifestyle, better community, better diversity? Now we're driven to do that because of the crisis. And as I would say, how do we move faster to the future? How do we enable and accelerate? And inside of that, the role of the CIO, the role of the technologist has never been more important. And here, I've heard of stories that I've interacted with many customers that the boards of directors have brought the CIO in to congratulate and to thank them for enabling such a radical shift so quickly. Wow. Usually when you're called into a board meeting, it's not a good thing. Now, right, you know, getting applause from the board of directors, it really is a fabulous period of time to be a technologist. We've
2: often said that the CIO doesn't get the recognition they deserve until something goes wrong. Uh, This has certainly been a time when CIOs and CTOs have gotten a lot of recognition for helping enable something that many did not think was possible. And I think for the most part, it has gone so much better than people expected. So this has been good. Well, I know your time, both of your time is tight. And I don't know if either of you need to jump off of this, but I certainly appreciate your time with us today in this visit, as we inspire CIOs and CTOs and other technology leaders to aspire to these upper echelons of leadership, which both of you have so well achieved and set a great example for many of us. So if there's anything else you wanna add before we wrap up, I'll give you a chance for that. Otherwise we can pass this off.
0: Well, thank you, Frank. Thank you for encouraging us to encourage the CIOs and the technology leaders. I'm grateful for my reward and carpe diem, seize the day. Be the digital transformation engine for the businesses, the teams that all of you represent. Thank you so much.
1: And just a shout out to all my fellow CIOs. They've done a great job and I've learned a lot from them. So congratulations. I ask I'm
2: looking for a time for us to gather again in person in the future and enjoy some music and maybe hear you play one of those guitars, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Bask. It's great to see you both and look forward to seeing you in person at some point in the future.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the CIO Exchange podcast. For more conversations with technology leaders from around the world, consider subscribing to this podcast. And to get video perspectives and deep research, visit VMware.com slash CIO.